We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Pacer Nation, welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace and Your Pacers Lose. Once again, and here to join me to talk about that is the ghostly one, Michael, the white boy, Fachi. Fachi, what's going on, brother? <laughs> hey, man, I can't knock it. For those of you that can't see on screen, I'm wearing a white Pacers jersey, and I, I practically blend in with it. So, uh, yeah, hey, winter's coming over here. You know, you ain't getting as much sun as they used to, and the Pacers ain't getting as many wins as they used to. So, but look, here's the thing, Alex. We're here to try and find some bright spots in performances that didn't go quite well. We have a few. But we also have a couple, a uh, couple things that the Pacers need to work on, and one of it's got to be. I mean, just off the bat, you know, these the starts to the game have just not been going well. Uh, Alex, you tell me, where do you want to begin? Yeah. So obviously, if you didn't catch it last night, the Pacers, or excuse me, Wednesday night, the Pacers lost one twenty four to one oh nine to the Chicago Bulls, and it was not that close. I mean, honestly, like, they got it close a little bit there in the in the third quarter, Fachi, thanks to a Buddy Heald run, but they gave up 38 points in the first and the second quarters, Fachi. They gave up a total of 76 points, the most that they've given up this regular season, in a half. And I think, to me, that is where we need to start. This defense is just so bad, Fachi, and then – on top of that, they make this great comeback in the third. They get it to within four points, but that by that time, they're gassed. So it, it's like these slow starts, we get it. They're trying to tank whatever you want to say, but the players aren't trying to tank, okay? They're trying to, to, to win games, okay? They're just not built to win games. But with that being said, their defense sucks all the way around. I mean, the only people that are playing good defense are the guys blocking shots at the rim to save the Pacers' perimeter defense at the last second, but you can't rely on that every time. No, you can't. I mean, and the fact is, I don't know if it's sad or scary, but when you said 76 points in the first half, 
Alex, I honestly don't think that's going to be the worst that we're going to see this year. Oh, I no. do think that we're going to see the Pacers give up 80-plus points in the first half. But we have been an atrocious first-quarter team this year that many times the Pacers are giving up 35 to 38 points in the first quarter. They find themselves in deep holes. I mean, I'm talking the Pacers were trailing as much as 24 points yesterday. They're trailed by 19 at halftime. But then when you talk about that run, the Pacers were able to cut the deficit down to four, which is impressive. But this team's not built to dig themselves out of 20-point deficits, you know, each each game. And that it's like at times they've been competitive. But in the first half so far in the season, they have not been really competitive in any of those games. They just tend to be a second-half team, and it just doesn't make that much sense. Yeah, I mean, you brought up the first quarter points, Fachi, and what we've given up. 36 to Washington, 36 to San Antonio, 35 to Detroit, 33 to Philadelphia, and 38 to Chicago. Okay, that's terrible. And we know that they made changes to the starting lineup. We know Miles Turner made his debut Wednesday night, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But it, it doesn't really seem to matter what lineup combination they have out there. Their defense is just not good. And, you know, I, I tweeted something out yesterday about Benedict Matherin's defense, and I've got people getting on me and be like, well, he's only been five games in the league. You know, it's like, first of all, he had these problems in college, okay? This is something we talked about when we were kind of looking at these prospects and looking at the pros and the cons of their game, but it, it's it's all across the board. I mean, the best defender right now, in my opinion, perimeter-wise, is Aaron Neesmith. Yeah. No question about it. Other than that, it – it feels like everybody else is just like a revolving door. You can just go right through them, and, and you're going to get to where you want to get to. No, it, it, it's – I don't want to call it funny, but they emphasized all offseason about the defense. We got to improve the defense. I mean, Alex, I got a bunch of numbers I, I, I've dug up. I just don't know if I reveal them now or later in the show. But regardless, I don't know what's really improved defensively for this Pacers team because, you know, if we thought we were just a Miles Turner away from improving as a defensive unit, uh, yeah, we're mistaken because just last night, still giving up 124 points to the Bulls, it, it, it's just not where you want to be. And in terms of, you know, points per game led up for this this overall Pacers team, Alex, it's really ugly right now. I mean, really ugly. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a good time for us to move on and talk about Turner's return because, you know, it's one of the biggest storylines. I think we were all kind of anticipating Miles returning on this road trip. Weren't sure when. I think some of us expected him to come back Friday against the Wizards on their only nationally televised game on ESPN. Um, but I think it did kind of make sense to come back to the game before if he was healthy just to kind of shake some of the rust off because uh, if you watch that game, you could definitely tell Miles Turner – Look like the Tin Man in the Wizard of Oz, and he needed a ton of oil on him to shake the rust off. He absolutely did. Now, look, I know there's going to be half a Pacer Nation that's just absolutely thrilled that he's back and overlooks this performance, and there's going to be the other one that says, man, this guy was rusty, and he really was. And I, I talked about it in preseason. And I know at the time he said, oh, well, it's just preseason or whatever. Turner shot one of eight from three in preseason. Last night he was 0 for 4. So, so far, he'd be one of 12 from three since preseason. I get it. It's his first game back since January. Yeah. From a, a rim protection rim protection standpoint, he looked every bit like the old Miles Turner. Four blocks in roughly 24 minutes. Awesome. But offensively, I mean, Alex, was there not so much left to be desired last night? 
going one of seven from the field. Yeah, I just I just felt like Miles was trying to catch up with the game speed that he probably hadn't played since January. And it's fair to say that. I mean, I think towards the end, we saw how he was just like kind of getting back into a groove defensively. He had some really nice blocks, had four blocks in this game in limited minutes. And, you know, I think that's a good sign to, to know that the defense and the instincts are still there and that kind of thing. But rebounding wise, what did he have? Six rebounds last night. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not a efficient night, but I think Vucevic only had seven. So, you know, the Bulls were hitting a lot of shots. Perimeter defense is so bad. And like we said, Miles ain't going to save us. There's no uh, denying that. I mean, he's he comes back and we have our worst performance <laughs> defensively in, in, in the first half. And it's not because it's Miles' fault. It's no, just because no, no. our perimeter defense is that bad. And you're playing against two guys that are all-stars, right? Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan. You're going up against those two guys in the perimeter. Yeah, it's going to be more challenging than going up against – you know, a rookie and Jaden Ivey and Bojan Bogdanovic. I mean, that's just the the nature of the game. But like you said, with with Turner, I'm not going to overreact to it. I, I think this is a good game for him to get his feet wet, kind of get reintegrated into that starting lineup, kind of get himself reacclimated with his teammates. And that's one thing we really haven't talked about either. He's only played, what is it, two halves of the preseason with Tyrese Halliburton. So he's still not got a lot of chemistry with the starting unit. And now that they've put Neesmith in there for Chris Duarte, he's not played with any of these guys before last night. Jalen Smith, too. I mean, there's a lot of new faces out there. Obviously, Nemhard's another guy he didn't get to play with. Uh, so it's Buddy. just like, you know, see him after. Look, there's a lot of different stuff. We're not going to count, you know, a couple minutes here and there in the preseason and in and, and practice. This is an adjustment. So, yes, we can't overreact after one game, but I do look forward to getting, you know, the Miles Turner that could be heading towards a career year because, hey, look, right now, Turner going into a contract year, there's so much that's unknown. But one of the things that seemed to play out very quickly was with Miles back, is this the end of Terry uh, Terry Taylor being a consistent rotational player? And I'll tell you why. So we've now seen Terry Taylor's minutes go from 24 to 22 to 20, 15 to then down to six mm. yesterday and no Goga. And look, no offense, and it shouldn't even be a no offense statement, but when we're talking about Goga, you almost want to make sure it doesn't come off like that. But this man hadn't been playing that bad. So it's just like, hey, with Turner back, there goes Terry Taylor, there goes Goga. I know to some, not a big deal at all. But it just shows that this rotation right now is just its a little bit up and down. I want to figure it out because Turner's going to be playing more than 24 minutes moving forward. Yeah, I would say, I mean, I think it's pretty understandable that Goga's not going to be in the rotation now with Turner there. And, and it brings up a good point about Terry Taylor. But this is the same thing we've been talking about with O'Shea Brissett. Why hasn't he been able to get into the rotation? Yeah. There's just not enough spots right now. And so I think overall, uh, you know, Terry is a non-shooting undersized big so Mm -hmm. he is a very unique player and it's kind of hard to play him and McConnell together because they cannot shoot the ball uh you throw Isaiah Jackson in there with with those guys and that's where it gets kind of problematic as well Fachi just because you know you're talking about who's the only guy that can shoot out there Duarte and Matherin so it, it it just seems like they can do a better job in terms of like finding different combinations that work. And I think they've tried to plug Terry in there, maybe at the small ball five at different times, just to give him a look, because I think they really are high on him. But right now um, 
it just seems like it's not a great fit with who's in that second unit. That's why I do believe they they did start him over miles. The first two games is because they thought, well, Jalen's an outside guy, so we don't have to worry about having TT, you know, hanging on the perimeter and being a non-shooting threat. But, you know, he's been working on it. It's only game five, and I think it's only a matter of time until he starts to maybe get a little bit more of a, a chance in the rotation, but I just don't see it happening right now. No, I don't either, and I, I do think that it takes a couple of games to really figure some of this out. There are a couple other matchups to keep your eye on, but was there uh, maybe another storyline that uh, you thought from this game? I think the biggest storyline that came away from this game was the end of the game, Fachi. I agree. Uh, Benedict Matherin stealing the ball from Dale and Terry with about 8.9 seconds left. How shocking is that? Uh, when I was looking yeah. at the wow. uh, play-by-play, it said, Benedict Matherin steals ball, 8.9 seconds. I said, oh, this is hilarious. Then Terry fouls him within one second. Um, two college, former college teammates at Arizona, they both had their coaches, uh, some of the assistants there in the in the building watching the game. So I'm sure it was a little bit of like a, you know, a brotherhood thing. I think so. And, and you know, honestly, like Matherin's young and he's a competitor. And what made me laugh the most, Fachi, was after he took the ball and, and tried to dunk it on a fast break, Terry Falsam, right? Dalen Terry Falsam goes to the free throw line and Busevich, he wasn't like hostile or anything, but he's just letting him know, like, yeah, come on, we don't do that. This is the big man's league. You know, we don't we don't play that kind of cat and mouse game that you play on the streets or whatever. And Matherin just like, it's not over. It's not over. And he just drills both free throws as he's talking to Vooch. And then after the game's over, Vooch goes up and daps him up and they they call it good. But you know, I thought Vooch did the right thing and how he handled it, you know. We know it's the the code of of the basketball rules, right? You're not supposed to do that, but uh, who cares? I enjoyed it. I thought someone brought up a great point, but a little bit like a former Pacer that everybody loved, Lance Stevenson. I'm wearing Lance's jersey right now as we speak, and it reminded me exactly of that. Lance against the Raptors. I mean, Lance has done it before where he's just at the end of the game. It doesn't matter. He's going to try and, you know, hey, the game's still going on. You know, why not go for? Why not try and make a defensive play? Why not try to get another basket? We talked about it about a year ago. Maybe it was. I don't know. It all blends together. But this Pacers team needed more edge. They needed a little bit of something in there, and you could define that as chippiness or edge or whatever it is. But Benedict Matherin has it, and I know that that move might rub wrong, like the older veteran type guys that say, "Hey, that that is that unwritten rule." Well, you know what? It's a new era now, all right? And if there's still time on the clock, Matherin's going for it. I love every second of it right over there. So I had no problem with it. If anything, it made me smile. It made me clap a little bit in a game that was that was over. Look, the Pacers were trailing by like, like 15 at the time, maybe a little bit more. So that was one of our takeaways from there. You, you brought us entertainment, Benedict. I'm, I appreciate it. I'm like a little kid when I watch Benedict Matherin play oh, yeah. basketball. Uh, I want to see him every time he gets the, uh, when he's in the game. I want him to touch the basketball. Me too. I want to see how many points he can score. When Chris Duarte is taking shots instead of Benedict Matherin, I'm kind of getting upset about it uh, internally as a fan. Now I'm not saying that you know Duarte doesn't deserve open looks. I totally get it, but I just want to see Matherin go to work. He's that entertaining to me. I love seeing him get to the free throw line. I mean, it's just one of those exciting things we've not seen a player on the Pacers do this in a long time. So. I just think Benedict Matherin, he is must-see TV, Fachi. When he's in the game, my eyes are glued. When he's not in the game, I find myself a bit bored with this team. I'm not going to lie. 
No, you're completely right. Look, I feel like no matter how many points we're down by, we're down by like 24. And I'm like trying to, you know, figuratively smash the imaginary emergency glass saying, we need more Matherin. Get him out here. Like, what are we doing? Because it just spices up the game. But also, even something like this, this is always how I judge if people pay attention to the Pacers or not. I had two friends that never watched Pacer basketball. One's a Mavs fan. One's a Knicks fan. Both sent me clips of Matherin stealing the ball at the end of the game saying, I like this kid. And that's when you see that he's getting other people that don't normally watch the Pacers to pay attention. I've had things like friends send me, non-Pacer fans send me the rookie of the week standings or, or the early rookie of the year standings. And he's on there. And it just shows that they're like, oh, that guy's nice. And we haven't had that. I love Chris Duarte. But they weren't talking about Duarte like they're talking about Matherin this year. And for that, that's been exciting in a rebuild year. Matherin is built different. He is. He doesn't care what you think about him. You're not going to be able to say anything to him. Vucevic can try and tell him that he's wrong all he wants. Matherin said, uh, it's not over. I'm taking that ball, and I'm going to play until the last second of the shot clock expires. So you know what? Give me that guy on my team 10 out of 10 times every single day. That's the kind of player I want playing for my Pacers. But Fachi, do you have any other um, storylines you want to get to before we move on to our one to two points we want to discuss? No, I'd say I'm ready to move on. All right. So give me a point that you wanted to bring up that we didn't get to yet. Hmm. Let's see. Uh, how about this? This is going to be interesting. Uh, TJ McConnell has not logged more than 17 minutes in any game thus far. And he's actually seen his minutes go down. So he had 17 minutes, 17 minutes, 13, 15, and 12. So overall, he's seen his minutes go down. And I'm going to be honest, his play, I think it's rougher than many people think. So right now, McConnell is averaging 3.2 points per game, shooting just below 31% from the field. Three-point standpoint, uh, three-point shooting-wise, has not attempted one. Assist to turnover ratio, usually McConnell's calling card, it's just two assists to one ratio right now. And I don't know if it's a hot take or not, whatever it is. But on the other side of things, Andrew Nemhard needs more minutes. And I think that we're starting to see a bit of a decline of the role of TJ McConnell. It's still early on. And at this point, it's a little bit upsetting because we know he is one of the veterans on this team that could bring a lot to the table but from an on-court standpoint, it has not been good. No, I will, I'll say this. I'm not going to overreact yet to TJ McConnell and his performance. I think a lot of it is playing with new guys once as, uh, once again. He's been used to playing with veterans like Justin Holiday, Doug McDermott, uh, even DeMontis Sabonis playing off him quite a bit. You go from that to trying to figure out ways to get Benedict Mather in the basketball, to get Chris Duarte the ball now. You know, at one point it was Aaron Neesmith when he was coming off the bench, you know, running pick and rolls with Isaiah Jackson, a guy who doesn't even know uh, how to set a really good screen. And, and then you've got a combination of Goga or Terry Taylor. It's just like, who is he playing with? And, you know, I will say this. I thought McConnell looked much better against Philadelphia than he did against the Chicago Bulls. And here's why, Fachi. The Chicago Bulls have a really good second unit. Oh, very much. And I will, I will ask you this question, Fachi. Let me ask you this. As a Pacer fan, who gives you more nightmares? Andre Drummond or Goran Dragic? Dude, Drummond, man. I got PTSD. Dude, he used to kill the Pacers, and he always saves a little something for us because it's just like – it's not like he was like Detroit Pistons Drummond 
yesterday, but he still had flashes of being a good player. Eight points, 13 rebounds. He had a block in there. He did it all in 17 minutes. So it's just like, man. But also, we didn't, we, you know, I know you talked about Drogic, who had a good game. Alex, what about the hustle from Alex Caruso? Oh, man. He, he gave Benedict Matherin a lesson on what defense is like oh, in the NBA. Man. Uh, Matherin has not been very efficient in terms of scoring the basketball on this road trip. Yep. I believe he's 9 of 27 through two games, mm-hmm. so just 33%, 1 of 10 from three. Oof. So, you know, he's not had that same spark that he had at home, which is it's, it's understandable. The opponents, number one, are better. Number two, you're playing on the road. Different environments, sleeping in a different bed, it's going to be a lot more challenging to play in an, uh, an environment like that on the road. And Alex Caruso is probably – one of the top 10 defenders in the NBA, I think you could say. Oh, yeah. I, I, uh, a lot of people yeah. over-talked uh, him, I think, when he was in L.A., and everyone kind of undervalued who he was because everyone thought, oh, he's just getting attention because in the Lakers. Goes to the Bulls, and when he got hurt last year, their team dipped quite a bit. So personally for me, I think Alex Caruso is an incredibly great bench player. Uh, as That's the nicest way I can say it. I'm not trying to say he's a great player, but a great bench player. You know, played 23 minutes last night, and there was just some plays where he just really made Mather and realized this is not going to be easy. So um, I, I agree with you that their bench is very strong. I, I think one thing that's nice about it, it's veteran heavy. And this is a very veteran team in Chicago. So they they put the they put their foot down on the Pacers' throats here early on. The Pacers came back thanks to Buddy Heald going off, Fachi. Um, but other than that, I mean – I didn't think Tyrese Halliburton played exceptional. He didn't shoot the ball well last night, had six turnovers. I know he had a double-double with 17 and 11, 17 points, 11 assists. But, you know, it was just one of them games where I did not love what I saw from Halliburton either. But that bench, man, it looked really good. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the Bulls bench, it really did outperform the Pacers. And just to Chris's point, I mean, when you're talking about it, I mean, this guy used to seem like a, almost like a meme, basically, in the Lakers. Oh, my God. Well, 
It was just kind of the, you know, the way he looked and everything like that. Oh, this guy can't be that good. He is the epitome of hustle and hard work right over there. So that was very evident um, last night. And then also just a talking point. I, I saved some of these stats for for, for the end, but uh, for right now, I guess. We were talking about the defense. Alex, I mean, has this defense improved even an ounce after how much they were emphasizing this? Let me throw some numbers at you. The Pacers are currently allowing a 122 points per game let up defensively. It, it, it even hurt me to even type out because that is more than 25 points per game more than the Milwaukee Bucks are letting up. Oh, wow. That's crazy to be playing the same game with professionals and be giving up 25 points per game more. <laughs> Next, the Pacers give up the second most free throw attempts mm. per game behind only the Sacramento Kings who don't have a win. Well, timeout. How many of those come, came from Yaka Pertle, Haka Pertle? I, I'd have to look into specific. I just that went by average, but I agree. Yeah, so it's over. It's just over thirty uh, free throws per game that they're letting opponents shoot. Next, this one shook me to my core. Ooh. All right, opponents are shooting nearly forty-six percent from three <laughs> against the Pacers. Forty-six percent. That is just insane. So, I mean, that is it, – it's just brutal seeing that. Um, and then also, I mean, just to emphasize last night, I mean, the Bulls shot 53% against the Pacers from three. Yeah. So, overall, it's getting scary out here defensively. Yeah, I mean, and that's one thing I'm I'm trying to talk about here with Matherin as a defender, Fachi, and it's not like I'm trying to pick on him, but I was watching him in that first half specifically – and I, I can't even remember who he was guarding. He might have been guarding Caruso at some points, but whoever he was guarding, he would always be kind of ball watching. And it would almost like he would lose his guy. Uh, his screen navigation is really bad, Fachi. He gets, you know, picked. He doesn't really fight through. He recovers very slowly. Doesn't really seem like that sense of urgency to, to get back on defense and make the right read. Now, there's been times where he's had some nice reads and stuff like that. And we love what he's doing offensively, getting to the free throw line. But you know, defensively, I think, same for Halliburton. Like, these guys are great offensive players, but we really want to see them step up defensively. I think Halliburton had a nice steal there. He read the one of the plays really well, but you can only do that so much. You can't keep your guy in front of you. That's a problem. If you can't guard a bucket of water, that's going to be a problem for a long time. So, you know, I, I just – I look at this Pacers team and I think, man, where are we going to get some defensive stoppers because – there's nobody right now that really stands out to me as that. And uh, honestly, like, I feel like the reason I'm kind of higher on Neesmith maybe than you are is because of the defensive upside. I mean, he's honestly the only guy that feels like he's 100% trying on defense every possession. No, it's an accurate statement. And and I'm definitely in agreement with his defensive, you know, capabilities. I, I've just I've just remained. I, I did a three last night. Tag he did go one of three from three. So – that was nice to see. I Look mean, there was a couple too. guys. There was like I see uh, Jalen Smith was a plus five yesterday. He was but awesome. He, we really should have talked about him. I know, I know. He definitely needs to get his shine because he has been real good. He has. He had a little bit of a rough preseason, I feel like, but he has definitely looked good when it mattered in the regular season. Uh, now, when you talked about offensively, the Pacers are just fine. One thing that is a little bit interesting. 
Pacers are averaging the third most three-point attempts in the league at Alex. Listen to this. Who are we? Just over 40 attempts per game. Just about two seasons ago, I remember you and I, literally, when Nate Bjorkman was the head coach, we were like, what are we expected to shoot 43s a game? Like, we can't do that. And it's just like, you know what? The Pacers are making the fifth most in the league. The problem, Alex, is they rank 22nd in three-point percentage. Mm. So... It's a little yeah, bit gross a- when you're putting up that many threes. So overall, defensively, there's so much more to be desired about this team. Offensively, we never worried about them scoring points. But, man, it, it's just they, they got to put it all together. Yeah, uh, my last point here I'm gonna, I am gonna want to bring up before we hand out our gold stars, even though there's probably not a ton to give out uh, from, from last night's game. I just got to talk about Chris Duarte for a minute because, honestly, like he came in that first half shooting the ball with confidence, looked like he might be turning the corner a little bit. I said, okay, Duarte's looking pretty good this half. Then the second half, once again, just looked like he was lost out there. Um, I think a lot of it just – I'm kind of wondering how much of that toe injury is impacting his overall play because go back and look at Duarte before he had the injuries last year. He didn't play like he plays now. It was almost like he was shooting with confidence, nothing was stopping him, all that. Now watch him play. I think he got hurt in that Spurs game, if I'm not mistaken, where he got taken out of the game because he was wincing from that toe injury or he kind of pointed at his toe, whatever. So that, to me, it's like maybe he does have some lagging injuries that we're not talking about. Um, And I understand, like, you can't overanalyze everything that every player goes through. Injuries are part of the game. But I wonder if there's literally some, some problems there where he can't push off of it the same way and it's just making him feel a little bit uncomfortable and that might be why his shot's not as efficient as it was last year. It's very possible because I, I was surprised in summer league when they said he was still dealing with the toe issue. Because he shot bad there. I know. And so it's it's just like he has not looked like the same guy. And, you know, when you talked about it, the first half, he did come out strong. Yeah. He did. But he finished the game 4 of 11 shooting. So his 12 points was a season high. But 4 of 11 shooting is not what you want. And overall in the season – I mean, he he's very much struggling. I want to say that he he's shooting around thirty three to thirty five percent from the field. I mean, that is that is not what anyone is hoping for. So I just don't know if if he, maybe there are those lingering effects, but something is off with Chris Duarte that he has yet to look even good in a game, let alone real good. To be honest, mm-hmm. I don't think it's that harsh. I'm calling it like it is. This is not what we expected in year two from a guy that looked like one of the most promising rookies last year. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Fachi. I mean, he was tied for third most shot attempts last night, too. Uh, four of 11 from the field, two of six from three. So, you know, it's just one of those things with Duarte. Like I, I said on the last pod, I think he's a bench player. I don't yeah. think he's going to be a long-term starter, but he's just going to have to learn how to play off ball more. And uh, I think he's not really someone that's really – talented in terms of shooting off the dribble he's more of a catch and shoot guy so they got to create more opportunities for him to do that but with that being said let's move on and give out our gold stars Fachi. i'll let you give out the first i mean i think it's right that that jalen smith jalen smith looked really good last night you know the guy finished as a, as a plus five um i think that you know there was a couple highlights making its rounds where you know he had a good good turnaround looked like dirk a bit over there oh, yeah. so i I think, uh, you know, that was nice to see. 
15 points, nine rebounds. He does it on six of 10 shooting, three of five from three, two blocks over there. Overall, in a game where not many players look good, I, I think that uh, he did. And also, that's him coming off of a really quiet second half the previous game against Philly. So it was nice to see him get right. Um, overall, so I'm going to give him a gold star tonight. Yeah, I mean, I thought he looked good in that first half against Philly, but I, like, he did. I think he played really well. 17, 17 points. points in that first half, shut out in the second half. I, w- I will say, since he went out and got benched in the second half against the Spurs, He's come back and played the power forward position. He's looked better. So I want to continue to see if he trends up uh, playing that four. For me, I think the obvious one here is Buddy Heel. Brought the Pacers within four because of his shooting clinic. Seven to 12 from three, Fachi. So when, when Buddy gets hot, I mean, it's tough to stop him. He had 25 points on eight of 16 shooting, four assists and three rebounds, only two turnovers. Um, he was like a minus three, but he was out there when the Pacers were getting spanked too. So for him to be able to bring him back and get that plus minus back to where it needed to be, I thought that was really impressive. But, you know, overall, I just felt like he got really gassed there at the end of the third quarter because Rick left him out there the entire third quarter and didn't put Mather in for him. So, you know, it was one of those things where I think maybe uh, you let Buddy come out with like two minutes left in the in the third and bring him back maybe a little bit earlier in the fourth that might have helped the Pacers close that gap a little bit more because it was a tough stretch there when Halliburton and Buddy were just kind of exhausted out there. No, it was. But I do have a question. Uh, do you want to send his his game tape to the Lakers or should I? Because right now I just feel like that felt like an audition last night. I mean, Buddy was doing everything. That, and I, I feel like it's become now a joke. The better he plays, the more that people are like, just just get this guy in Laker purple and gold, right? You know, right now, just make it happen. Um, so last well, night, that was the first thing I was thinking of. Perfect audition. Yeah, I, I heard that Chad Buchanan actually sent our good friend Rob Palinka a subscription to Bally Sports Indiana. He said, I'll take yep. care of it. Don't worry. 1999. Here you go. <laughs> hey, here we go. But don't uh, watch any of the Miles offensive highlights, just the Buddy ones. <laughs> strictly Buddy highlights over there. Uh, then lastly, I think you and I are probably agreement on this. Isaiah Jackson, 8-7. Yeah. Um, and seven. Uh, I believe he only had one rebound against the 76ers, so it was nice to see him come out there. You know, He got in early foul trouble, and I think he responded very well with it. Picked up two early fouls for the rest of the game, only had one foul in the remaining three quarters. 4-4 um, four four from the field. He does it all in 20 minutes. My knock right over here is just, man, I just feel like he flushes so many lobs, but can we can we get him to create some sort of even like a six-footer, you know, some sh- sort of just, you know, being able to create your own shot without having to do too much other than someone just giving you an alley-oop? Yeah, no, that's a good point. I He's got to be a little bit more versatile for me to really believe in him long-term because right now uh, he's giving me kind of like shades of like a young Montrez Harrell, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Someone we just saw in Philadelphia, and Montrez was like really exciting, but everyone's like, eh, he's really not that good. And I think Isaiah Jackson right now uh, has kind of felt that way a little bit because defensively, it's taken him a little bit to get going. I think he's looked better defensively over the last couple of games. So, you know, my Montrez Harrell thing probably won't be like how I feel at the end of the season, but early on, that's kind of where I'm at, like a really explosive athlete that can jump out of the gym and he can have some really nice highlight lobs and, and dunks, but, uh, and blocks as well, but he's going to have to just continue to get better. But I, I felt like his minutes uh, last night in Chicago were pretty good. I love the offensive rebound that he had over Vooch. He was just able to 
be a little bit longer than him and get over the top and grab it without fouling and, and actually got fouled. So, you know, Isaiah Jackson, uh, a fun player to to continue to watch grow, but it's just tough for big men in the league early on. We know that it takes a little bit longer for young big men to develop. So with that being said, Fachi, um, any other gold stars we should give out? Or I think we should keep it moving. No, you know what? I, that That's it for me. Look, yeah, I love me some Matherin, but I'm not going to reward a three of 11 performance nah, over nah. there. You know, so I think it's fitting that the three guys that got the gold stars, they were the ones that were deserving. Yeah. So before we go to a quick break, I want to just ask you this hot takes or final thoughts on this game? My hot take right now is going to be, and, and I hinted at it a little bit, the play of TJ McConnell, it, it's been rough, Alex. I mean, we also glanced over, but he was 0 for 5 last night. Yeah. And there's been turnovers, and it's not like there's been a lot of turnovers, but I just feel like, McConnell was someone who prided himself on a, on, a, on a great assist to turnover ratio, would shoot 50% from the field. And right now, I just feel like it's not that he's scared to take a three. It's that he's not comfortable taking threes on a team that is third in the NBA in three points, atten- three points attempted. So simply put, right now, he feels like that guy that doesn't really fit that much. And N- Nemhard right behind him, 12 assists, one turnover on the year. This guy needs a little bit more minutes. He he does. He, he's played well, but the minutes have been all over the place. He goes from a did-not-play coach's decision uh, in the first game to then all of a sudden logs 30 minutes. Team high. Then, he, then he's down to nine, and then he's back up right around 30. And then last night play, plays a handful of minutes. Uh, I think it was like yeah, nine or 12 again. minutes or so. Yeah, so – his role needs to be a little bit more consistent. And to be honest, McConnell, I think he's got to pick it up. Yeah, I think Quinn Buckner said it best when describing Andrew Nimhart yesterday in the game. He said he just doesn't get rattled, right? Yeah. He's just a guy that's just so poised. The moment doesn't get to him. He's calm or he's relaxed. It's just like this is what he's supposed to do. And you love seeing that from a young player. Like he is well beyond his years in terms of how he plays. And I think – you're going to see some rookie bumps from him throughout the 82-game season, no doubt about it. But when asked to play, I feel like I've enjoyed the lineups better when he's been in there because defensively he just brings a little bit more to the table than T.J. McConnell. Uh, McConnell might get you a steal or two here, which we love to see, but McConnell's just a little bit too small. And when you're yeah. playing against some bigger guards like uh, Goran Dragic or you know even James Harden at times, you know, Nimhar got switched on to him, it's just like this is who you're going to have to – put up against him, someone that's got a little bit more of a fighter, fighter's chance, fighter's chance, excuse me, than TJ McConnell. So great point there. My last point that I want to bring up, and you kind of hinted at it earlier, talking about Terry Taylor and Goga, and now with Nimhard, this roster is too crowded. No offense to any of our veterans, McConnell, Buddy Heald, uh, Miles Turner. We've heard that they're going to make trades probably before the season, uh, before the trade deadline, right? We don't know who's all going to get traded, but at this point, there are too many players that have earned minutes that aren't going to be able to get them, like a Goga Batadze. Goga Batadze has been the most consistent big before Miles Turner came back. Now, you can say Jalen Smith probably has outplayed him, which I'll give you that, but Goga's been the most consistent. He should be getting minutes over Isaiah Jackson based on how he's played, but that's not the goal of this season. So you feel bad for a guy like Goga because what does he do? He comes out there and performs and he puts up what 14 points, 15 rebounds in one game, something like mm-hmm. that. So 
dominates in one game and it's like, all right, your reward is to watch when Miles comes back, you know, and it's not Miles' fault. Like you want Miles to play well. And if it works out with a contract extension or it works out with a trade, you do that. But I just feel like right now this roster is way too crowded. And I think a trade is going to happen sooner than people think. I'm with you on it. I think we need to speed up the process right over here because look, you know, Buddy definitely looks marketable to other teams right now. Turner obviously needs to show a little bit more to, to say, hey, this guy's healthy, he's looking good, everything like that. But it's just that I want to get minutes to the young guys and who's going to be here moving forward. I know the Pacers didn't pick up Goga's option, but he's still 23 years old, looked good. Got it. You can't just have him out of the rotation fully. O'Shea yeah. Brissett, another guy who's like 23 years old, we're not even able to play him. Nemhard's minutes are, are super inconsistent. It's just I would like to see a little bit more of that. I'm going to be honest. I know this is this is totally for later in the season. I want to see some Trevlin Queen. You know, I, I really do. And look, it's, <laughs> I'm out there. I, I'm ready to get wild right now. All right, watch him so, in the G League. I'm talking. I know, but I'm just saying. If we're talking about Trevlin Queen in October, then it means that I want to review all options out there. So. Look, I'm rooting for Turner to get healthy, get right and everything. But, man, I mean, when Turner's healthy and ramped up and playing 30 minutes per game, it's going to be really hard to get any minutes for Terry Taylor, Goga, um, you know, O'Shea Brissett. And then even, you know, depending on McConnell, if McConnell picks it up, then where's the minutes going for Nemhard? So yeah. it's tough out there. I would almost like them to tighten up the rotation right now, make it 10 and don't go any deeper than that. Uh, and, and cut your cut your ties where you have to cut them. If you have to not play Terry Taylor and Goga, and you're playing McConnell, Nimhard, Duarte, Matherin, and Isaiah Jackson with the second unit, then then do that. I don't really care at this point. Uh, I just think that you need to have more of a consistent rotation. Like as much as we love, you know what Buddy did last night. There's no reason Matherin should not be playing at all in the third quarter. Uh, I don't. I don't personally think it was worth Buddy Hield's rewarding Buddy Hill for his performance to keep Matherin out of the game against the Bulls. I mean, you played him the whole fourth quarter, I get that, but for a guy to sit there an entire quarter after the half, he's got to be so, like, stiff. I mean, it's Matherin, he's young, whatever, but, like, get him out there with, like, five minutes left in the third or whatever. Like, figure out a way. Why is Duarte getting more minutes than him right now? Like, uh, or not more minutes, but why is he getting in earlier than him? I just, I just don't understand it, you know? So, so to me, that's where I'm just looking at. Let's find a little bit more of a consistent rotation so these guys can get consistent minutes. And, you know, we've, we've debated the starting versus not starting thing. I'm fine with uh, talking about that in a couple of weeks if it continues to be like this. But I just feel like it's not worth, okay, what, Buddy Hill maybe hit one more three with like three minutes left in the game, in the, in the quarter, that it, his defense wasn't doing anything, right? And just put him in the game. Don't make him sit for the whole quarter. It doesn't make any sense. Absolutely. Against Philly, I, I shared the stats. Uh, Matherin got yanked at like the 8-minute, 45-second mark, comes back in with like 5.7 seconds to go in the quarter just for the last shot, doesn't even touch the ball, and then goes back out until there's roughly six minutes left. So when you think about an actual game time, he didn't even touch the ball for, you know, he could have been well over an hour yeah. where he's just sitting there, and it's just like, what are we doing over here? You you can't just not play him for basically a full quarter's worth. Like he needs to he needs to be fresh. He needs to get out there and be able to you know not just not just be so cold. Just like you said. So I'm totally with you on that. This is a season where, to be honest, that's what it's about. It's about developing 
And we need to continue to develop guys like Benedict Matherin instead of being, hey, oh, buddy healed. I mean, you know, he's got to get 30 plus minutes. He's not going to be here next year. He might not even be here in, in at the start of 2023. So, yeah. you know, we're going to make a move at some point. I totally agree on that, Fachi. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, we'll bring on Dalton Chubb, our fan of the week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, we are back for our Fan of the Week segment. We have one of our most loyal listeners out there, Dalton Chubb. Dalton, what's going on? Oh, nothing. Just passing the time at work. Oh, man. Stepping out from work to talk to us, that's pretty risky. Well, it's on break. My my boss is now. Okay. <laughs> well, we definitely appreciate that. Uh, hey, Dalton, I know that we've definitely seen you, uh, you know, in our mentions at, at times, so we appreciate it. You know, all the loyalty to the show. But, Dalton, let's start from the beginning. What are some of your earliest memories being a Pacer fan? Oh, it goes back to when Reggie banked that three in against the Nets. Uh, my grandparents, my grandpa was a big sports fan, and he got cancer. And I remember sitting in the hospital bed watching. He's a big college guy, so he watched mm-hmm. college games. Um, he passed away when I was five. And then I don't remember how. But my grandma, his his wife, mo- moved in with us, and me and her just started watching all the games, literally every game, including the rebuild from, like, 2005 to 2012, whenever that was. Mm-hmm. But ever since I've been little enough to remember, I'm probably about five years old. Well, that's pretty – That's as I said, that's pretty awesome, man. I mean, I'm really sorry to hear about your grandpa dying at five. Uh, my grandfather passed away when I, when I was five, too, so – I can understand that, but it's really cool that you and your grandma shared that Pacers connection there. I think that's really awesome. So, I mean, when you were growing up watching those games, I guess just kind of take me back through that. What was one game besides the Nets game that maybe stood out to you before the Pacers got good again? Uh, dang. <laughs> Probably the, the Lakers game, whenever Rosh and Asterovich tipped oh. into the buzzer. Wow. Chris Denary lost his voice. <laughs> But my grandma, she was calm. She, like, was just, like, her reaction was just, to me, going psycho. Because I was, like, running through the house, like, oh, we won. We beat Kobe. We beat Kobe. Yep. No, exactly. Look, it's funny. uh, You know, everybody has, like, their high moments, their low moments. But whenever anyone talks about the low, they they mention what you did. The Jim O'Brien years of the rebuild that you talked about. And we, you know, now we find ourselves in... A similar territory with a rebuild, but this one feels a lot different. This feels like a youth movement where it's fun, and we know, hey, we're here to raise the ceiling of this team. But what was your initial reaction when the Pacers went from trying to compete to trying to rebuild? I was happy. I was, I was over. I was over it. I love Sabonis, but it's like the the same thing with the Colts and the Colts fan too, and. Like, just finally them realizing that this ain't working and we need to do something different. I actually had COVID during the trade deadline. And I was at home on the couch waiting pretty much like everyone else to my, with my Twitter feed. 
And when I found out, I didn't even know who Tyrese Halliburton was. I'm not even going to (laughs) lie. And then when I found out, I was kind of upset we didn't get no draft picks. I'm I'm all about, I want to get as much draft picks because we never have a high pick. Mm-hmm. I was so I was so angry when we didn't get the first pitch this past year, but seeing the first few games with Matherin, I'm I plan on buying this jersey soon. Me too. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Well, let me ask you this because you said you didn't know who Tyrus Halliburton is or was at the time when the trade happened. So, uh, is Halliburton your favorite player now, or is there somebody else that's your favorite player? It's kind of hard. I, I, this, I just like it being, the team being so much younger. It's hard not to have anyone that you don't like. Uh, I, I have to say, Matherin's already stole my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I'm with you right now. I already, you know, gave my wife a little hint, hint. Uh, if you're looking for a Christmas gift or a birthday gift, a Matherin jersey would be well, awesome. Let's go Navy, though. The white's a little bit too much, Fodge. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm disappearing over here with my background. I, I, so. hated those, I hated those jerseys, the white ones. Yeah, wow! You just roasted <laughs> Fachi, man. <laughs> well, not as bad as the, not as bad as the ones they just released the other day. The oh my God. I have yet to hear one person that's tried to defend the jerseys. No one's been like that's fresh or anything of the sort. I haven't heard anyone talking about buying one, so I'm with you on that. But look, I'm with you, Matherin. He stole my heart too. This has been a lot of fun so far, seeing a really good rookie from day one. Now, the losses, they don't hurt as much this year because I think I've mentally prepared myself that there's going to be a lot of them. But how are you handling the losses this year? Uh, I really, I'm, I, yeah, I'm the same way. I've already, I already know which we're probably not going to be in the playoffs. And with the Colts situation, we're used to it. So I don't know. I think really no difference. I'm, I'm just excited. I was kind of hoping that. They might surprise us, like in 2018, we got Oladipo and that team, and then out of nowhere, won 50 games. Yeah. But by seeing the first five or six games, I don't think we're going to be winning 50 games. Neither do I. It might not be this year. All right, so I'm going to ask you a fun question here. Give me your Mount Rushmore, which is the top four, uh, your Mount Rushmore of favorite Pacers of all time. Reggie, number one. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's tied for number one because even though we had Reggie, my favorite player growing up was Jermaine. Me too. Always will be. Okay, so there's two of the four. Uh, Jamal Tinsley. Oh, okay. Uh, that's a surprise. All too much on there. I respect it. Uh, Feisty Foster, of course. You can't not add him. He was one of my favorite. So Foster, Tinsley, O'Neal, and Reggie. That's a that's a unique Mount Rushmore favorite Pacers, but I respect it, Dalton. Yeah, I, I don't like that. Paul George would have been on there, but he kind of fell off the wrong way. I think we're yeah. all in agreement on that. Paul George was heading towards being a lot of people's favorites, and a lot of us we're just still not quite over that yet. <laughs> so maybe one day we'll have that moment where we bring everybody back together. I don't know if we'll ever wear a Pacer jersey again, but maybe we'll be able to say, "Okay, I'm not mad anymore." But regardless, maybe what's uh. What's one thing that you're looking for this year in this Pacers team? Uh, you know, just a personal thing of yours. Hey, I'd like to see this by the end of the year. I just want to find out who they are, like what their identity is. Like, I just feel like ever since we traded Oladipo, it's just you don't know what they are. Obviously, they're not defense because we never play defense. No, we don't. I, I, I just get so aggravated, like – 
I the last few nights I've had to listen on the radio because I'm at work and I was like, I just don't know what to say. Like, how is it the, the defense can't be that bad? I think Alex tweeted something about the same lines. I think it was last night. It was like the Pacers defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. That's about <laughs> how that's about how I feel. Yeah, it's it's bad, man. You uh, you put a that kind of effort defensively, and then you can come back in the second half. It's like, where was that in the first half? But uh, totally understand it's been frustrating. But with that being said, Dalton, thank you so much for joining us here on our Fan of the Week segment. You guys can uh, check this out on YouTube to watch the video, or you're listening to it now on the podcast. Check out the YouTube video so you can see uh, Dalton's cool Pacers hat and Fachi in his jersey, and I'm rocking the Setting the Pace hoodie. But, Dalton, where can people find you at on social media? Oh no! Uh, Twitter. I just had to make a new one. <laughs> you say that about every three months. So yeah, uh, I think it's. I don't even remember what my Twitter handle is. Well, we'll we'll put it out there in the description. I'll find it for you and put I'm it in sorry. the description of the pod and the YouTube video. I completely forgot that you guys do the social media. <laughs> don't worry about it. Hey, regardless. don't follow Dalton. <laughs> definitely appreciate you coming on and i really appreciate all your support that you've had for the show over the last few years so thanks a lot and uh alex i mean i think it's only right if he ends it if you you set him up for uh a few words if you got it in you all right my favorite favorite part of the show i'm I'm gonna set you up here dalton so don't so don't say it too quick wait till i set you up all right you ready for this sounds good if your heart has been stolen by Benedict Matherin, then say these three words. Let's go Pacers. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So... At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash prenatal.